Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We're your host, Craig and Rachel Denning. And we are just sitting here laughing and laughing about ourselves. Ourselves and my chocolate love addiction? of dark <laughs> chocolate. And I tend to eat chocolate while we're recording podcasts. Yes. And at other times, <laughs> which we won't mention oh, now. It's hilarious. So you guys welcome. Um, We've had so many great questions and great discussions around... great coaching sessions. Yeah, great coaching sessions, really around parenting and the dynamics. Parenting and the tendency for mothers to feel stressed, embarrassed, or other emotions while parenting their children in public places, especially if those children are... Especially if those children have minds of their own. Yes. Where you have one of those wonderful High little spirited. kids that are energetic and sovereign. They, they yeah. kind of want to do their own thing. They maybe are often marching to the beat of their own drum. They, they're hearing music, so to speak, that, that nobody else is hearing. And, but, okay, but I think it's incredibly important to point out that your other kids might be going along to get along and they might be following the rules and they might be more complacent, but it doesn't mean a compliant, but it doesn't mean they're not struggling internally. You might not be able to see it, but they might, the resentment might be building and it will stack. I've seen this a lot with, with quite strict parents or parents are quite, you know, they're pretty rigid and they want things to be a certain way. And the child goes along for a long time, and then at some point, it's done. And I know of specific examples where uh, the the kids become young adults, and that's it, done. They 18, literally never talk to their parents again. They're like, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm doing my own thing, and never again. And th- that's an extreme example. Other ones, they just rebel, or they just collapse, they just so like, I'm going to make my own decisions now. You've been making the decisions for me for my whole life. And so now they go crazy. And I think m- predominantly that happens when the child didn't clearly understand why the rules existed. I why think that's a huge factor. We are going along with all these different things. And you've heard us talk about this before. Ooh, this one, man, this one gets me. <laughs> this one really gets me. So many parents have massive lists of arbitrary rules they just have all these random laws in their family their home that that, that don't make sense well here's what i think happens so essentially we want to talk about i don't know how else to describe it but the nuances of parenting these nuances that will make your parenting even better and i think what happens is that out of because you were talking about how some parents are just strict and restrictive and all of that and i don't think that's Sometimes that's in a parent's intention, but I don't know that it always is. I think a lot of times parents just sincerely want to be good parents. And because there's a chance of one thing leading to something bad, like if you do this, this could happen, that's a negative outcome. The answer then is, we'll just restrict that. That is a thing that we will never do, right? It's an easy way of, um, it's kind of a triage in a way, like, 
this is not safe, this is, this is possibly not safe, it's cut off, we're cutting this off. We're cutting. And so you make all these rules to try to maintain control of, we only do these things which will keep us safe and only lead to these outcomes. So in a way, I think it's yeah. a way of um, eliminating perhaps overwhelm or stress or potential disaster or chaos. And so it's out of the best intentions that they do this and yet we've seen, and we're going to talk about, that it can actually have very negative consequences, like you mentioned before, or hinted at, that one of those is underlying resentment, that when the child is now old enough to make their own decisions, they're going to make their own decisions, and not the decisions you made, because they never really understood why you made those decisions or how you got to them, especially, as we're going to analyze here, when there's a lot of nuance there. Like, sometimes this rule is a good rule, but sometimes it's dumb. That's a dumb rule. And we have to learn how to differentiate and see those differences and then talk to our kids about them so that they learn to think and understand things that way. That's where real power lies, is beginning to see the nuances in all of the levels of everything that we do in the world. Yes, which there's a lot of relativity. Yes. Parenting relativism. And, which and you get sounds... It. To some people, like, that's so ah. dangerous. No, because it's black and white, and it's this or that, or it's true or false. It's one or the other. Yes, I think you're right. With the best of intentions, I think all of us have a human drive. One of the core human drives is to have control. And we especially want control in the aspects of our life where we realize, like you were saying, things can easily get out of control. Mm -hmm. And children can get out yes. of control like you've heard of you know people talking about hurting cats you, you can't do it and so you you get children and then you keep having more children especially if you know two three four five seven twelve children you want a healthy amount of control the irony is the more you attempt to control other people and to control everything Exactly. The less control you have and the more chaos you create, it's actually self-sabotage. Yeah. The more you try to control something, the or more someone. you create, or specific, especially someone. If you're trying to control your children or troll, because you want circumstances to turn out well, you want your kids to turn out well, and without giving it a lot of really deep thought and reflection and having a lot of experience with humans, you think, well, the way to handle this is, is control. Mm -hmm. It's if, if I, cause what you're, what you're doing and some, most of this is like subconscious. You're like, well, I don't want this situation to turn out like this, or I don't want my kids to turn out like this. So I'm going to just really lean in here and you start trying to control things. And it's interesting, like this is, Sounds like it comes right out of the New Testament, man. The Pharisees, they they wanted to obey God's laws. So they set up additional laws to keep them from ever getting to the point where they break God's laws. Mm -hmm. It was like, let's let's do this law and this law and this law and this law and this law, and that will protect us. Right. But what it created was this really unhealthy societal conditioning and we do it in our families or we do it in societies where we're, we add law after law or rule after rule 
mm-hmm. you know, because again, I think you're, you're, what you were saying earlier is like we're, we're so afraid of a really negative outcome that we're just like, oh man, we're going we're gonna to lay this, we're going to go all the way, right. way over here to make sure that this bad thing never happens. And the, the, the horrible irony of that is it backfires. It backfires so <laughs> bad. And it leads the child or sometimes the spouse to the very thing you were so adamantly trying to control against. Right. It forces them there. You're like, man, if you had just approached this more tactfully, with more diplomacy, with more strategy. Well, with, with layers of thinking, you know, one of the things that you and I refer to a lot is there's levels of thinking. There's first level thinking, second level thinking, third level thinking. And essentially that what that means is it's being able to think beyond just the immediate outcomes and just with that immediate thing, but also the reverse, like if you do this thing, what's the reverse consequence of doing that thing? Because everything has an exchange rate, right? And so in some ways it's these levels of thinking that initially is does seem a lot more complicated. From the outset, it's easier to say, we will not sit on the table at all, ever. That's just the family rule, right? Like that's just the clear cut rule. And this is an example from my own life because when I started having kids, I thought, well, kids shouldn't get on the table. But guess what? The kids always wanted to get on the table. It was like they were drawn to being on the table, especially if I was standing near the table or the counter, they were getting on the table. And Greg would be like, what's the big deal? Why can't they be on the table? I'm like, well, I don't know. You're just not supposed to get on the table. Like kids aren't supposed to be on the table. And you would say something like- I actually loved lifting them up and sitting them on the counter so they're right there with us. Right, and you would say things like, well, who came up with that rule? Like, where did that come from, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just know it's it's not supposed to be. It's just a (laughs) rule. Right, and so then we went to the other extreme of like, okay, get on the, you're allowed on the table. But what I'm coming back to here is this nuance of being able to differentiate that sometimes it's okay to be on the counter or the table and sometimes it's not. And while we feel like that can be confusing to kids, it actually becomes less confusing when we can learn how to articulate that to our children. It's okay for you to be on the table or the counter when it's cleared off, there's no food up there and we're sitting here and we're talking or you're helping me with something like I have a specific reason, that's okay. It's not okay for you to just climb up at any time when there's stuff all over the counter and it's a mess, we're eating. You learn how to differentiate and you learn that there are actually nuances in situations that you have to learn to look for and observe and then make strategic decisions about. Now you think, well, that's too complicated for a two-year-old. Well, yes, it is. But if you learn to think that way, because that's the first step, because, you know, as a new mom, I'm like, it's either black or white. Either they're allowed on the counter or they're not allowed on the counter. Like, it's too complicated for me to decide. And initially it feels like that. But when, as I learned to be able to think that way myself, then guess what? I can now model that for my children because now I can verbalize and articulate it out loud. Well, no, it's okay in this situation. It's not okay in this situation. And even if the situation comes up and I'm kind of like, ah, wait, what kind of situation is this? I practice thinking and coming up with a decision of like, and and vocalizing that in this situation, I say it's not okay because of these things. And your kids learn to trust you and to listen and be like, 
oh, okay. Although this also happens, which is why parents avoid this probably, now they also learn to, some parents would use the term argue or talk back, but I think of it as they learn how to debate or persuade, yes. which is actually something you want. Exactly. And yet the very reason people, parents set up these arbitrary rules of like, no, never, don't talk back, don't argue. You're literally telling your kids, stop critical thinking yes. and stop persuading. Exactly. Stop thinking because your kids will try to, they'll use right. this They're against you. They're trying to think. They are <laughs> They're trying gonna to negotiate. Learn how to think. Yeah. And they come up with some idea of like, well, what about this? Yep. What about that? And you're like, why are you being so difficult? Just follow my rules. No, they're critical thinking. That's what you want them to be doing. You want them to be developing these skills. And yet when we shut off that opportunity by saying, this is the rule, no questions asked, we're actually limiting their ability to develop these skills of persuasion, influence, and thinking. Mm. So when I develop my own ability to do that, and then I allow my children to do it as well, we will have conversations. Well, they'll be like, but nothing's on the counter right here. Why can't I just get up here? Well, because, uh, and then we have to go back and forth. And guess what? Sometimes my kids win. And yeah. they convince me that my original idea was actually not that great. And so, okay, yeah, go ahead. Let's Which get on the counter right now. It's so awesome. We have to be able to do that as parents. Right. We have to be willing to be wrong. We have to be exactly. willing to think through things. And we have to be willing to get to a point where we're like, you know what? You're right. I don't know. I, I don't know why. And and let's, okay, let's let's try it. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's like, try it. Sometimes. Why? But but I remember, just desperately wanting things to be black and white. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, there's this underlying, um, primal. Evolutionary, yes, this insecurity, right? So we we have a all humans have this need for certainty, and we feel like, at least if we haven't learned to be second level thinkers or or to understand, you know, think when Nuances. things are relative, when there's exceptions, because there's so many exceptions to almost everything. And, and again, please do not misunderstand us. We are not advocating license to do whatever. Mm -hmm. We're not saying, well, well, whatever, just do whatever you want. That's not at all. We're we're actually advocating the opposite. Have extremely high standards, but not strict, arbitrary rules and yeah. laws. Right. So you have to be able to think through it, which is difficult because, like, I, I just wanted black and white. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. And I hear people say that. I have clients say that to me. They'll be like, Greg, just black and white, man. Tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do. I'll do it. I'm like, nope. We're gonna think through this, because mm -hmm. when when do you want to do? What do you want? Why do you want that? Why why would you pick up that rule? Well, that's that's just the way things are. I'm like, no, it isn't. Well, that's just what we learned from my parents or in our community or at our church. Like this, this is how you do things. Well, think through that. Are is there ever? This came up the other day. Would it? And this is a tricky one. Like that's why we love. I mean, I love moral dilemmas, and I love talking through them with our children. Um, and discussing them. Is there ever a time when dishonesty could actually be a virtue? When it would be the, the absolute right thing to do to lie? And, and yes, it's a resounding yes. Where before I'd be like, no, never, never a time. Is, would, it, would there ever, could there ever possibly be a situation where stealing 
would be the right thing to do. And then we go crazy. Could there ever possibly be the time when killing might be the right thing to do? Like you, you're actually walking. This is, and I, I know this is crazy. I'm introducing all these crazy ideas, but you have to start thinking like this, and you start realizing like, okay, yes, there are rules for a reason. Well, there are standards for a reason. There's expectations for a reason. But if you only stay in that black and white paradigm. It keeps you limited, and it starts to wreck your parenting. Well, right, and what happens is, obviously, none of us come to one of those situations. We rarely are faced with one of those situations, but what happens is if we go through this process, it allows us to begin to think in that way so that we are prepared for those types of situations. And, of course, you know, people are probably wondering, well, what? What would one of those examples be? And we have lots, of course, but one of our favorites is a book we've both read called um, Bonhoeffer, and it's about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was a Christian preacher in Berlin. Nazi Germany, in Berlin during World War II, and then he actually became involved in a secret plot to try to assassinate Hitler. So multiple and attempts. in the book it's so fascinating because he walks through this whole scenario where here he is, he's this Christian man, he's a leader of, you know, people, and he's trying to work out in his soul like the right thing for me to do at this time is to lie and to try to kill someone, right? Like this was the right course of action. Yes, I didn't even think of that example. You're exactly right. Right. And so but the problem is if we've never gone through that type of thinking beginning with something as simple as is it right to sit on the counter is it okay for kids to get on the counter right it's a silly example but it's that type of idea of a lot of people myself included wanted to have this black or white approach no we don't get on the counter never ever but life isn't like that it's not black and white like that and so i think we do our children a disservice when we try to have those types of rules in our home of like Yes or no, black or white, this music, that, you know, it, and separate everything that way instead of realizing that it's actually very complex and intermingled and lots of levels and, and there's actually interpretation to be involved there. And if we allow our children to go through this process, teaching them how teaching, to think, modeling, it actually makes them stronger and better people that are more prepared to face the real challenges of the world without it i think we really are we are limited we're limited in our parenting that's one of the things we want to emphasize like if we don't learn to understand this nuance of parenting our parenting actually becomes limited but then our children are also limited yeah. in their capability and and confidence and everything else because they don't learn to think this way yeah. one thing i've i've observed after working with thousands and thousands of people up close is that very few very very few people are, are really good at making decisions and it comes from this thing you're talking about we have to do it ourselves and then teach our children to think through a, an idea a principle Scenarios. a situation yeah like see the whole thing and make clear decisions mm -hmm. and then learn how to do that quickly. But this decision-making process 
it can be challenging and it feels risky. It feels vulnerable. It feels, feels overwhelming. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And so you think, ah, oh, if it's just black and white, it's so much easier. But that's not true. Well, in a way, it is true. It is easier because it makes things simpler and you have to think less about stuff. But that's a disadvantage, ultimately. Because like we were talking before, if you're, if you're thinking about analyzing the nuances of every choice and, and then allowing your children to debate or, or persuade you, yes, there's a lot more complexity there. But what's happening on the brain level is you're literally developing all of these different new neural connections that aren't there otherwise when you just black and white, follow the rules, do what I say, don't talk back, don't argue. There's a whole world that they're not being exposed to and neither are you in an effort to avoid the complexity of that entire process. And eventually you'll come to situations. It, I think it's inevitable. You'll come to situations that challenge the simplicity of your thinking and challenge the black and white reality and then that's when things get very, very hard or even tragic. When things yeah. unravel and fall apart or break. Well, And that's why we have to be proactive about this kind of thinking and parenting. Right. I mean, we have literally seen that parents that have taken this black and white approach that when their children get older and start to begin to make their own decisions. Because what happens is it's almost on an intuitive level our children understand that there's more to it than what we're saying. And we also kind of know that too. We, in the back of our mind, we kind of know, well, there's, uh, there's more to it, but in order to make things easy, I'm just gonna have this rule, I'm gonna be consistent, I'm gonna stick to it, like that's it. You know, I'm trying to be a good parent by just keeping these rules and enforcing them. But underlying all of that, there's this sense that there's something deeper there, there's something more, and so as your children get older and start making their own decisions, there's a sense of an incongruence and they, in a reactive way, they often end up doing the opposite of what you wanted them to do simply because they're trying to fill in the blanks. They're trying to fill in the gaps. They're trying to feel like, well, okay, what were my parents talking about? Because I think that what they were saying wasn't entirely true. Let me try the other side. Or, or they react like, I was fed a crock of lies. Something something. Like you just I was fed all these lies. And I can think of so many examples of this um, where they were brought up a certain way in their community or society or church. And it was very black and white. Um, one example stands out in my mind where uh, these individuals they, they were raised in a church environment. And, and the, the big message they heard was the people in our church are really the only good people in the world. And everybody else is just kind of evil, bad, mm -hmm. like vile sinners and whatever on and on. And so like Rachel was saying, at some point you're going to be exposed. You go out, you go out into life in the world. At some point you're going to be exposed to a different reality. Well, what happens is you go out and you find, man... There's really good people everywhere, all, all over the place. And so then you, you're confronted with what was implied or outwardly taught. And you realize, I was fed a 
a bowl full of lies. Well, or at least that it wasn't completely the truth, you know? Right. Or I was given a fraction. But, but I guess what I'm saying is the reaction at that point of I've been lied to. Right. I've been deceived. I've I ha- been I don't have betrayed. the whole truth. They, yeah, they, didn't, they were telling me all this stuff. And it's just a tiny fraction of what's real or what's possible. Right. And, and we do, again, we do this the sense of control with the best Protection, intent. We're going to protect. So we keep them in this tiny, tiny little reality because it seems so safe. simple, so safe. And simple. Yes, I think that's right. We, the safety. It's all for well, safety. But then when you get exposed to, to so much more of life and thinking and understanding, it's, it, I think it causes just real anger and bitterness mm-hmm. and resentment. Yeah, it does, which then results in... Results in them acting and behaving in a way which ultimately is more detrimental mm-hmm. than if they had been allowed to mentally, at least mentally, experiment with some of those ideas beforehand, which is kind of what we end up doing. Like, I think our approach is mentally walking through some of the consequences of different choices or actions or outcomes, which then re- it doesn't require that you go through it physically when you can walk through it mentally. Um, one example that I think of and I've seen often is this idea of <clears throat> not allowing your children to pick the music they listen to. Because parents believe, and it's true, that music is very powerful. It has this effect on you. And if you listen to the wrong type of music, it can be detrimental. That's true. The challenge is they think the answer to that problem is to control what their children listen to. My children don't get to listen to this type of music. They don't get to make their own choices about it because it can have a detrimental or negative effect on them. And so because they're afraid of that happening, they think the safe answer is to not let them decide when really it's the opposite. If you want your children to be able to be safe and protected from the negative music that is out in the world and other things, movies, whatever, whatever it is, media, you have to allow them to choose while you're by their side talking through the consequences of such choices so that they can experience for themselves the differences, the the outcomes, good or bad, of their choices. But if we protect them from actually making those choices, we're only weakening them. We are not giving them the strength to make their own choices and decisions by deciding for them. Well, exa- that and that was what I was sitting here thinking. That's what I wanted to say. I, I would say it like this, that when you establish the rule, then you are doing the thinking and the deciding for them. And so whatever they're afraid of consequences or they go along to get along or they sneak it behind your back whatever which happens they haven't learned how to think through it analyze why they would or would not want it in their life and then make a decision themselves that the whole process that is so extremely valuable is not happening because you've made the decision and that's that you're enforcing the law so they stay underdeveloped mm-hmm and they're not learning to make decisions because you, uh, man, how do I emphasize this enough? You are making decisions for them. Therefore, they are not developing their ability and skill to make decisions. So then as soon as you're gone, whether you go away on a weekend trip or you die or they move out or whatever, 
then, then you have this being who is totally underdeveloped and unskilled in an absolutely essential skill for life. They don't know how to do it because you didn't teach them. You didn't model for you them. Didn't you didn't let them l- do it. allow them to practice. And you you decided for them so they don't know how to make decisions. Right. It, and you think they're safer this way, but it's not. They're actually more naive and more at risk. Right. What What's actually happening, if you think about it metaphorically, is they're not building their own decision-making muscles. And so when you're not there to decide for them, they're literally... They're babies. What's the word? Intro... Atrophied. Yep. Their muscles are completely atrophied. They have no decision-making muscles because you didn't let them make the decisions. You didn't let them argue with you about getting on the counter or about eating in the living room or about you know listening to this song or watching this movie. They haven't been able to practice that the whole way, and so now you're not there, and they're essentially starting back as babies, like you said, starting from the beginning. Because finally, mom and dad aren't here to make it for me. I get to do it myself, and I'm, I have to start by crawling. But they fiercely want their independence because, let's say, they're 18 now. And yeah. they're like, I'm an adult. Right. I can decide for myself. I can do what I, do what I want. And, and they you're make like, dumb yeah, decisions. you are. You're, you're technically 18, but your decision-making ability is still way, in, in certain things, is still way back in toddler stage. And parents, if I can just be so blunt here, that is your doing. Fault. That is your fault. You made decisions for them all those years, and then you released them into the wild, so to speak, as decision-making babies. Atrophied. Yeah. So they're, they're underdeveloped. And, and now you're like, man, I sure hope this works out. Good luck with that. Or, or you say, we taught you right, child. You know better. And they're like, no, I don't. I, all I did was f- follow along because you threatened me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Really what it is, I see this so often. It's like the, the carrot and the stick stuff. Like you had all these heavy consequences, all these heavy rules. So I, I followed along. But that doesn't mean I'm capable of making those decisions on my own or having when I get to a situation. In fact, it doesn't mean I can think through this and make the right decision. All I know is you had tons of rules and I followed them. It's like, it, it just doesn't work out well. Right. And this can even happen, you know, because like you're saying threat. Well, yeah, a lot of times it is threat. But it also we've also seen it happen in passive-aggressive ways where it's, it's, well, this is how we do things. You know, in our family, I know you'll make the right choice. Yeah. All of that. You'll do this because you love me. Right. Or they'll use God. Like, right. oh, you know. If you love God, you'll do this thing. And that's not really how the decision-making process works. And this is the challenge because we don't want our kids to make mistakes. We don't want them to mess up. We don't want them to listen to that song that swears. But if you don't allow them to truly, authentically, honestly make their own choices, then you're not really allowing the process to work. Now there is risk there. And this also doesn't mean it's completely hands-off. You and I have plenty of conversations with our kids, sharing our opinions, sharing our viewpoints, sharing our perspective, our insight, our wisdom, all of those things, but ultimately, we let them decide. And I think, okay, a couple, couple absolutely critical pieces there. Number one, it depends on the age and mental development of the child. Absolutely. We're, like the little ones aren't like... We're, 
I'm going to listen to this F word, mom. You're like, oh, okay, you decide. Like if yeah. they're little, that's not the case. This is, and you, you have to work on it for a long time so they develop the skill set and then you give them more and more autonomy to do it. Which freedom. I want to come back to with the whole mm. parenting approach, the nuanced parenting approach. Okay. And then the other piece is, so Rachel, you keep saying, let them decide, let them decide. For me, my perspective, the way I would say it is like, teach them how to decide. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, it's your choice. And like, that's going to backfire too. Because they, they haven't developed this. They don't know. They're, they're And they're still, their brains aren't fully developed. They don't have enough life experience. And you say, well, you know, the Denning said, just let our kids decide. And they're like, <laughs> no, man, that's not what we're saying. Teach them how to decide. So we don't just say, hey, well, you guys get to choose what kind of music you listen to. No way. We, we like, hey, pull up a song. Let's listen to it. And let's talk through it. And, and it's all deep, fundamental, philosophical stuff. Like, well, who do you want to be? How do you want to live life? What effect does, does music have on you? Let's talk through this. Let's give tons of examples. Let's really educate you on all of this so you can make a good decision. We're not just saying, well, you decide. It's on you. We're deeply educating them so they can make an educated decision. And I think this ties in to what I wanted to emphasize again or talk about because you're right. If, if we didn't already have the foundation in place that we have in place with our children and the relationship we have with them, if they were already making poor decisions and so we took this approach of like, just pull up a song, son, we're going to talk about it, that's not going to go over very well. Like In fact, it's going to backfire. Especially if it's a pain point, it's something you've already been arguing or disagreeing about. It doesn't work like that. And I would add, if they're going to government school and they're around a bunch of knuckleheads and uh, they have they are their, completely peer dependent. Yeah, very poor friend choices and and they, they could just care less in a about toxic your environment, bad attitudes. Like, if all these other pieces are missing, this will also backfire because. They won't want to listen to you. They won't be able to think clearly through this. So there's a lot of fund, fundamental elements that have to be in place for this to work. Now, that's not an excuse for you to just go back to the arbitrary rules and, and commands. You've got to figure out how to get all the other elements in place so you have a phenomenal relationship with them. They respect you. You have tons of influence and, and you can make this happen. Right. So that goes back to kind of where we were starting this discussion about the nuances of parenting. This is one of the ways that you build that relationship of trust with your children is by not just having these arbitrary rules where you're like, this is how it is. This Because I said so, this is how we do things. This is just the rule. But allowing this more fluid approach of, Okay, well, let's think through it. Yeah, I, I think you shouldn't get on the counter, and here's why. I think we shouldn't eat in the living room, and here's why. I don't think you should do this, and here's why. And you talk through it. And some of the ways that we've done this is, okay, For here's an example of something that we could kind of do that's fun. We, ha we call it, like, you haven't passed that class. That's what we call it, you know. And it's, it's, it'll be something as simple as no, you can't pour your own syrup on your German pancake because you haven't passed the syrup pouring class type thing. And so they understand that 
you know, it's not just this arbitrary rule, but there's levels, there's skills that need to be gained in order for you to earn the privilege of doing that thing. Like you can't eat in the living room because you haven't passed the eat in the living room class or whatever, you know what I mean? That there is a level because otherwise, you know, it used to be, and I remember with my family and when I, we were newly parent, new parents, we don't eat in the living room. But then of course, mom or dad wanted to eat in the living room because you know, we're adults, we can do whatever we want. I love eating in the living right. room. <laughs> and so then you're eating in the living room and the kids are like, I thought we don't eat in the living room. And you're like, well, except for me, you know, da, 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 you know, I'm the parent. Instead of teaching the truth that it's about no, a skill. Exactly. I have a, more of a skill set than you do of not spilling. So instead of it being a principle, it comes across as a total hypocrisy. Exactly. Exactly. So when you take this different approach, now it is a principle. And the point is you have to gain these certain skills of not spilling. And so then it feels like something they can work towards achieving, which they can. And then once they are good at it, great. They can eat in the living room, right? And so it's this, it's a rule, it's a principle that's adjustable, it's flexible, it's changeable. It's not just hard and fast. And that is for everything. That's for everything. Exactly. The, the thing in my mind right now is sex, right? You don't you want your kids, your teen kids, just go out and having sex. But man, once they're married, you want them to have an amazing sex life. Because sex is, is a beautiful, wonderful, sacred thing. But if it's hard, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is mm -hmm. bad. Don't have to, don't Until kiss. all of a sudden. Don't, oh, don't no. look at the girl. Like, are you kidding me? I love looking at Rachel. Like, wow, holy guacamole, right? But, but if it's hard, don't, 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 don't. And then you're like, okay, now you can. Right. It, it, it either comes across as a total hypocrisy or a massive confusion. Mm -hmm. It's like, what, what's going on? I was told black and white, no. And then now, like, what? I, it's okay? Right. I, I feel guilty or is this wrong? And, and that's a perfect example of the principle, the timing, the mm -hmm. skill set, like the situation. It's relative. Is sex right. bad or is sex good? Yeah, it's relative. relative. Exactly. Is is looking at a naked woman good or bad? Well, it's there's relative. one situation where it's very good, and all the others not good, right? It's relative. Exactly. And and this is true in so many well, instances. And, and in the context of what we're talking about, it's true in all of these situations. And so what we're trying to teach our children which is the opposite, I think, of what people have been doing for a very long time. We're trying to teach that it is relative and we have to learn how to think about it critically. That is a more, it's a healthier, stronger approach to parenting, which actually earns you more respect. So in the exactly. long term, exactly. you have more influence with your children because they know you don't just come up with these rules that you're going to enforce no matter what. They better just listen to you and follow you. And they're not just questioning your sanity and hypocrisy all yes, the time. Yes, exactly. Right. They see you as a yes. thinking being who makes logical sense. This is one thing that our older children especially have said that, you know, we always did what you asked because it made sense. Yeah. Like you explained it in a way where we're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then it becomes their own thing. They decide to do that. It's their own because we were able to articulate it in a way that they understood it, grasped 
onto the idea and actually then owned the idea. Well, and we built this relationship of trust that if we did make an ask that we hadn't yet talked through, right. they'd say, you know what, I'm going to go with this because I know mom and dad right. are extremely thoughtful. They wouldn't just pull this out of a rabbit hat. I'm going to go with it. We'll talk about it later. Exactly. And, and they follow and they, they believe. Oh, man, I, I don't know if I can emphasize this enough. If you just keep to control, safety, black and white thinking, it ultimately, it literally looks like hypocrisy or insanity. Or manipulation. Like you just don't get it or you're a total hypocrite. Because life is just too complex. It, and there's so many situations or circumstances that if you're, if you're actually out living, you're going to come across so many where you have to like, no, I, I, this isn't black and white. I've got to think through this and make an educated decision. And one thing I want to bring up is how the classics, the great classic literature addresses all these things so well. And that's why it's so important to be reading yourself and reading with your kids and discussing those ideas because you're going to come across them endlessly in, in that great classic literature. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I want to just bring something up about, we, we've mostly talked today about what's going on in your house, but there's the outside world. And from my observations, many countries and societies are um, not very kid-friendly anymore. And they're coming up with arbitrary rules in society. Like the HOA? Well, it's like everything's becoming some kind of HOA where everything's controlled and and we don't want any kind of chaos or any kind of disturbance. And so you set things up and, and I get it, right? You You want some nice places where things are nice and neat and predictable. What's interesting, um, here in Turkey... You just pull up Google Maps and you'll see a bunch of restaurants or hotels, hotels especially, and it'll say adults only. And I was like, what? That, that's different. That's unique. And and it, what it is, it's, it's a way to have a controlled environment mm-hmm. because you shouldn't force children to behave like adults. But we often do that in society where you like, you know, a restaurant or all these other places, it, it has these certain standards or expectations but when you really think about it you just pause and kind of pull back and say okay let's like sitting perfectly still waiting for food and then after it comes waiting again and just not moving and doing all that like that's a very adult yeah that's that's an adult skill right it's It's an adult skill exactly it's, it's a maturity piece and and some of you are thinking well kids should be able to do that well i would disagree this is one of those things relative they should they can learn how to do that for Limited periods exactly. of time. Exactly, and practicing in certain places. So our our approach has been we will go, depending on which kids are with us, we'll go and we'll practice. And for the little ones, it's we talk about it, we go through it, and we keep it really short. So like when we take our little ones on dates, I will call ahead to the restaurant, <laughs> order the food, and tell them when we'll be there. So we walk in. And, and and then they see and they bring like something to the table for the, the girls to munch on and then the food's there real quick and then we eat quickly and then we pay and we leave. Right, which is still and, and sometimes too long. Yeah, exactly. For them. They're like, it's when's our food going to be here? For... We're like, we ordered it 20 minutes ago before we got here. Exactly. <laughs> but we're trying to like allow fit them it to in practice allow, like, in their framework. Right, and we go to 
a restaurant that can handle kids and not be a big deal. But when we go to the fancy places, we only take all the kids and we only take them if they have passed that class. But exactly. They've prepared, they've developed and cultivated maturity. But expecting a small child to sit still and listen to a lecture, uh, a, 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 oh, this, there's so many places. Like school is, is so dumb. It's, it's so anti-child. What, what child would naturally be like, I just want to sit still here and listen to you blab on for a long time. <laughs> and we just, we just kill the kid in them. Same with church. You, you go listen to this long, some, some guy up there pontificating about, and maybe it's amazing for a, adult level, but to expect a small child just to sit still and be quiet even while somebody just goes on and on, that is so... Older child. It's not kid-friendly. Right, it's not. It's not. And so it should be excluded. And and, people and then we are, wonder why our kids hate it. Yeah. And uh, we think it's their uh, fault. And we're like, no, kids should learn how to be quiet and sit still. Really? Really? How's that working out for you? How's that working out for everybody else that exactly. believes that stupid philosophy? It's not. Look at their kids. It's a freaking train wreck. Look around society, you guys. Well, and this is See how it's working. This is one of the challenges is because, you know, back to my whole quandary as a new mom thinking, well, you're just not supposed to get on the counter. It's just not what you're supposed to do. Well, kids, kids are supposed to sit still right. and be quiet. And so we have all these expectations that we've picked up from society, from the church, from our parents, from all of these other places. And so we just think we've got to conform to this. We have to fit. And so we're trying to fit. And then we're trying to make our kids fit. And then we're wondering why we're all miserable when we have to learn how to be more deliberate. We have to learn how to be more intentional and to think through all of these things. One example I think of, I mean, there's many, but you and I have been very intentional, you know, from these early days where we had these questions and we thought things like, well, why? Why can't they get on the counter? Or Why can't they run around in a crowd? Because right. they love it. Right. Oh my gosh, they love it. And so we we think through and we analyze all of these things. And so we've taken a very deliberate approach for raising our children. One of, well, one example is we've intentionally gone to live in places that were kid friendly. We would live in places where they could go out and run and make noise and and chop things and cut things and you know, be destructive like that was the type of environment that they were allowed to live in so that they could be kids. That's an approach we've always been intentional about. Um, but we've always been very authentic to parenting in the same way across situations, right? And so one, this played out for me once when I was with family members. We had, you know, all of our kids. We were outside. We were at, a, it was basically in the woods, a picnic area and there was many picnic tables all of us were eating at say three or four picnic tables and then my younger kids with other kids were standing and climbing and jumping on the picnic tables that were not being used now in my because at a fundamental level children they love, love climbing exactly on they love climbing they love jumping they want to do all these things they love it and we're out in the woods what better place for them to be doing these things then on the picnic table, especially the one that's not being used. And so, you know, obviously I already had this parenting approach. 
And I'm constantly doing that. It's not that I don't notice what my kids are doing. I do notice and then I'm analyzing it in my own mind to decide if I need to intervene or if it's a completely appropriate activity for the situation. This is just naturally going on for me all the time. Well, in this case, the other mother decided that her children shouldn't be doing that. And so she insisted that they get off the picnic Pro tables. Probably based on a hard and fast rule, we don't get on tables. That and or the fact that we were with some, you know, women that were older from a different generation and they probably thought maybe it wasn't appropriate. I don't know because that's another thing too. Sometimes we make decisions based off what we think other people might expect. Where in some situations, that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. If you're in their house, yes, you should be. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to make sure my children are behaving in the way that's appropriate to that environment. Or don't take your kids to that environment. Or that too, yep. right? So anyway, so I didn't say anything, even though she was insisting her kids stopped and get off. But, but because my concern, my primary concern is on being authentic and predictable in my parenting approach to my children. That's my primary concern. I'm not going to adapt my strategy or my style because of external pressure or expectation. Yes. And so in order to be authentic to myself and to be authentic with my children, I was like, I don't see anything wrong with you being on the table. Like, it's just not, I would never have done that in that situation and said, you need to get off the table. So, so then it becomes had... this challenging, you know, situation where you feel, oh, oh, what's going on here? Is she prideful? Is she stuck up? Is she, you know, what's going on? And Our so we'd like to control. Yeah. Crazy. Or there's that too, like, oh, their kids are just out of control. They let them do whatever. When that's not really what's happening, it's this nuanced level of thinking about the situation and saying, well, in this case, it's not causing harm. It's not inappropriate. And so I'm going to allow my children to do it, even if other people don't. Other like people it. don't, and that's hard. It yeah. really is hard to do. And so, well, yes, a couple of points. One is, if you, because of social pressure, stop the kids, they're not gonna. They're gonna start losing trust for you. They won't be able yes. to articulate it. They'll start losing trust. Right. Like, wait a minute, like, why? Why is she telling us to stop right now? They're gonna be confused, and they're gonna they're they're gonna start subconsciously thinking, mom's unpredictable. Sometimes she lets us, and then randomly sometimes she doesn't. I don't know what's right. up and why. And, and, and in these bogus explanations, like you, you start undermining trust. And now, so then you lose influence. Especially if, because in my parenting approach, which this is true, just, this is true, this is how I do it, I give an explanation that makes sense to them. Yep. If I could go over there and say, you shouldn't get on the picnic tables because there's food all over it and we're going to eat, that makes complete sense to them and they're like oh yeah okay but i had no reason so when i don't have a reason to give i i don't feel i can make that ask now for some people they want to be able to have that parenting authority that when i ask you do it because i ask i don't think that that's authentic to life agreed i don't think unless you're in you know some dictator that doesn't happen so it's more authentic to have reasons that make sense to the person you're asking or to have a level of trust where you say, you just have to trust me on this one. Do it, please. But that only comes by doing the other approach over an extended period of time. 
And so if I don't have the reason to give, which I didn't have, that was my other problem. Like, I'm like, I've got no reason. I don't know why they should be getting off the table. <laughs> so if I don't have a reason, how can I give them one? Exactly. So it is imperative for all of us to be very clear about what is okay for us. And it's based on principle. It's based on experience. It's based on a very thorough education. And, and you really got to be able to examine yourself honestly. Like, is it because of fear? Is that why you're doing this? Or is it because you're afraid what other people think of their judgments or prejudices? Like, is it because of your own social conditioning? Like, you have to be honest and be like, you know, man, I had that rule because of my own fears or worries or whatever it is. You have to understand and then get very, very clear about what's okay for you and what's not and why and be able to articulate it in a way that kids are like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You have to be reasonable and kids are sharp. They mm -hmm. get it. Even if they can't cognitively get it, they just feel it in their souls. Like You can just tell if they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. Right. This is bogus. You're just coming. You're pulling crap out of your sleeve. Like what? That's garbage. And and especially if it's contrary to. Like, being a human being. Like well, you try to fight. Like if, if kids are drawn to climbing on things, you say, "Don't ever climb on anything." I've heard parents say that. You're you're never climb on anything. Or like what in the. Tarnation. Whenever we go to parks in the United States, I mean, this just killed me. It's the perfect petri dish for parenting issues, you know. And I just watch parents, and they will. They'll be like, "Don't climb up the slide. Don't do that." And I'm like, "What is the point of us being here if we can't?" That's what I would be thinking as a kid. If I can't do all of these things, why are we here? They want to climb up the slide. They love climbing Every up the slide. Every kid does. <laughs> and I think what they mean is. When another child is coming down the slide, don't climb up. That makes sense. You explain that to the kid and they get it. But I see this happening again and again and again where the parents are like, we don't climb up the slides. Period. We don't do that. That's a great example. It's an arbitrary rule, hard and fast, black and white, versus the principle right. rule. Right. The principle like, is don't climb up when down, someone's going down. Yeah. It's fantastic. Right. If there's nobody coming down, sure, go for it. Exactly. And be careful because you'll slip back down. You're going to, so protect your teeth. Right. And if you bump your face, like you learn. That's a perfect example of a hard and fast, arbitrary black and white versus let's think through this right. and see when does the rule apply. And so, you know, we the takeaway here, it, it sounds like we're making your job more complicated. We're telling we you, you You're have welcome. to analyze every <laughs> single situation and allow your children to disagree with you and argue back. Yes. Yes, yes. That is kind of what we're saying. Because in the long run, that will make your parenting better. That will make your relationships stronger. That will help your children have more trust, more respect. And it's what it, it's just what works yeah. in the end. Fantastic. Amen. Love you guys. Reach over.